0: Welcome to Feeding Frenzy, a podcast brought to you by the Breastfeeding Resource Center. The BRC is a nonprofit organization in Abington, Pennsylvania. We're here to provide support on various parenting topics to help you get through the roller coaster ride of parenting. I'm your host, Colette Acker. Let's take this journey together. Thank you for joining us today. Today we have Sophie Foster Fink with us and she's gonna tell us a little bit about her birth history, her birth story from her latest baby and her pretty amazing breastfeeding journey. Um, so welcome. Thanks for joining us, Sophie. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Sure. She is a proud mother of two, River and Sage. And before we get into the family life, tell us a little bit about your professional life. Yeah.
1: So it just so happens um, I'm a mama and I'm also a clinical psychologist. i um I've been working for about 10 years now in the area of trauma treatment, and I tend to specialize in working with the LGBTQ population. Um, So that has certainly informed some of the experiences I've had recently with my own birth experience. Um,
0: Yeah, so why don't we start further back with River. What was your birth experience like with him?
1: Yeah, you know, as I was reflecting um, and getting ready for our podcast today i was thinking about what a crazy journey this whole thing has has been not just with sage more recently but with river and and how you know breastfeeding itself is such a such a crazy journey for so many people um yeah. and so unique and personal so um my little guy river is 3 he was born 6 weeks before the pandemic uh shut the world down and um you know my My experience with River actually vastly changed our family trajectory (laughs) Um, and certainly my parenting journey. He was, um, you know, healthy pregnancy, healthy baby, um, but was uh, posterior and um, horizontal in my belly. I forget what they call that. Like, ah, I don't remember.
0: Not comfortable.
1: Yes. Very, very stuck. And thank goodness I had the most amazing midwives and I was birthing in a place that was, um, supportive of, of that. Um, I think in many places I would be very quickly deemed a C-section, but I was in labor for a very long time and, um, ultimately pushed him out after four and a half hours. Mm, that's and, um, enough. yeah. And yeah. Um, very quickly, relevant to breastfeeding and lactation, and you know all these buzzwords. You know, in the delivery room, someone—I think it was a nurse—said, "You know, he has a tongue tie." Oh,
0: <laughs> transverse. Transverse is the yes. one I think you're for. Sorry. Yes, yes. He <laughs> was. To, yes. Came to me a little late. Transverse, okay. exactly. So he you give very you give birth, and they're like, "It's a boy, and he has a tongue and tie." You have a tongue tie. Okay.
1: Right. And very quickly, I was given a list. You know, within 24 hours of surgeons. To have a frenectomy. Mm-hmm. um, but nothing else, no information, no options. You know, the lactation consultant was like, here's a nipple shield. Um, but, you know, from the get go with River, I would actually say my lactation journey with him was significantly harder. Wow. Um, yeah. Like and actually informed a career change for my partner Brian, who you've also had on your podcast. Yes. Who is a physical therapist who um, you know, decided to devote his specialization to infants and babies and feeding and body work. So River really um led us in some interesting directions. But he um, you know, we had horrible supply issues. I was you know, triple feeding for, gosh, six or eight weeks and, you know, getting up every two hours to pump. And he was, it was incredibly painful. And, you know, we really didn't even get anywhere with his nursing by anywhere. I mean, I didn't have to do a ton of extra stuff until he was about four and a half months old. For
0: And doing all of that, that triple feeding and all of that, you need so much support. That is not sustainable. It is not sustainable long-term.
1: Yes. And in hindsight, it was really having had a second postpartum, one that was very stressful in so many ways. Don't get me wrong. We'll get there. But um, it was really, it really affected my mental health. It was really hard. Um, You know, he was a baby that didn't sleep. it wouldn't get put down. He needed to nurse. Constantly, it was just really torturous. Um, Yeah, it's hard enough.
0: The the postpartum period is hard enough when things are going fine or normal. I'm putting Mm -hmm. up air quotes, people who can't see me. Um, You know, it's exhausting and overwhelming. But when you add in all of those difficulties and you have your partner who's doing his PT thing and you're having a phrenotomy done and you're pumping. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we had a revision. We had, wait, it was just a thing. Um, so, so although this isn't about
0: tongue ties, did you use an ENT with scissors or did you use a dentist with a laser?
1: We, um, unfortunately, in hindsight, I regret being convinced by our pediatrician to do it at, in the office at 10 days. Um, full disclosure, we did the scissors at 10 days. Mm-hmm. And then I think it re-adhered because no one advised us to do body work. No one advised us to look at this in a more big picture way. And River had a lot of muscular, you know, weakness and coordination issues. He couldn't elevate his tongue. Um, I think there was like some airway stuff going on. Um, it was a complicated picture. Right. It and wasn't
0: just that one step was yeah. going to fix it. Yeah.
1: So, and then the world shut down. So we had like two appointments with a PT in New Jersey. <laughs> and then, um the world closed and we never really solved all of river's stuff. And we did wind up nursing till he was 26 months.
0: Good for you. Well, once you put all that effort in, in the beginning.
1: Yeah. I mean, just a little bit towards the end, you know, like bedtime nap time kind of thing, but um, he, it was, it was quite a thing. And like I said, it actually informed a, a career change, you know, Brian through the pandemic took coursework and, sort of launched his balanced baby thing. um, We talked to Brian's, um, Brian's podcast went out yesterday. Yeah. So I heard, (laughs) um, so River was a, you know, textbook, highly sensitive baby with textbook, wonderful qualities and still is, you know, incredibly sensitive and wonderful in so many ways and incredibly challenging with his breastfeeding journey. Um, and I had to choose to wean him, which was a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast episode. Right. Um, so so I it to say this, this stuff is all evocative and hard, you know, and complicated.
0: Yeah. So you're pregnant with baby number two.
1: So yes. what, what
0: are, what are your concerns thoughts during that pregnancy after your first experience?
1: <clears throat> um, well, I certainly felt way more prepared Um, for I, I, in my head during my second pregnancy, um, with Sage, I was like, well, it's pretty much clear. We're going to have another baby with a tongue tie, which turned out not to be the case (laughs) by some, I don't know. Um, so I was really prepared. I think mentally, you know, when you're a first time parent, not everyone is this way, but I certainly was like obsessing over the numbers and the weight and the ounces and the You know, no formula, no formula and all the rest. And in hindsight, now as a second time mom being through getting through what we've been through recently, I sort of let so much of that go. And um, I I think I was starting to do that during my pregnancy with Sage, you know, just sort of recognizing that we'll figure it out. Right, right. Don't put so much pressure on (laughs) yourself. Yes, yes. And just praying that we had a baby that slept. Because I think the sleep deprivation was really
0: it, part of the. There, like I always really say, that. there's a reason why they use sleep deprivation for prisoners of yes, war. For, for, because torture. It, it's exactly. torture. It's absolute torture.
1: <laughs> I've yeah. said the same thing myself. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you a little bit about my pregnancy with Sage in general, which was, um, I actually had a, a relatively difficult pregnancy, not for pregnancy reasons, but just I got COVID Mm -hmm. and in my second trimester and kind of just felt like I never recovered. Um, And then river kindly brought home RSV from the preschool, which I guess for many adults is a, is a sort of benign, you'll never know you have it. But for me was many trips to the ER with asthma, um, which got way exacerbated during pregnancy. So I was sort of, Just had a much, much more difficult pregnancy the second time around. I think having a toddler doesn't help. But. um,
0: Well, that COVID can linger for so long and you're exhausted, then throw in pregnancy and a toddler and oof.
1: I was, yeah. And I had a lot more morning sickness during the first try. So it was, it was a really hard pregnancy um, for me. Um, She was completely healthy and, you know, there was nothing. Dramatic. I was anemic at one point in my third trimester, um, but I guess this sort of is important information in that, like, w- there was nothing that, like, I had a healthy pregnancy with River, and there was nothing that specifically happened during my pregnancy with Sage that um, necessarily predisposed me to what happened at her birth, but, you know, maybe COVID, we don't know. Yeah, you don't, yeah. No doctor will say, um, but, you know, I have my hunches. yeah
0: so can you share with us what happened yeah
1: um so i went um into prodromal labor at around 37 weeks with sage i had not experienced prodromal labor uh with river and uh anyone who goes through it like kudos to you it's miserable
0: um, so explain and, what that is to us.
1: Yeah. So I started having contractions that weren't progressing, but were, I mean, I was sort of like, my labor was sort of false starting. So I would like have a couple hours of contractions and then they would go away. And, you know, I wasn't dilating. So you just kind of feel like garbage, but it's not really going anywhere. Your body's just kind of warming up. Um, And actually about three days on the Saturday, Sage was born on a Tuesday. On the Saturday before her birth, I called my doula and our doula was with us for about eight hours doing all the doula things at home, helping, you know, we're thinking like, this is it. Cause I was having like, you know, real contractions right. and then, like they would just sort of stall. Ugh. And then, and then and so we went in and I got checked and I was like, not progressing. So we went home that, so the mental gymnastics of prodromal labor are intense, but by Tuesday morning, um, I went and got checked and it turned out that my water was like leak. I was leaking, okay. um, fluid. And so how many weeks
0: gestation was she at that point?
1: That was exactly 38 weeks. Okay. Um, mind you, river was four days past, so I was fully counting on going, you know, Yeah. longer. Um, and I, they said, you know, cause I have a, I had a somewhat holistically oriented midwife. They said, you know, we got to induce you in the next, you know, 24 hours if you're leaking fluid, but you can go home. And if you really want to get things started, you can take castor oil.
0: (laughs) We made yucky yucky faces.
1: I (laughs) made myself a wonderful castor oil smoothie, which actually for anyone listening who hasn't done it, but may have to in the future. It really didn't taste that bad. You couldn't taste it. <laughs> Put it in a chocolate smoothie. It wasn't that bad. I drank it. Chocolate so, mixes it, everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was fine. And that was at like 9 a.m. And by 11, I was like in labor. I called my parents. I said, come over. And by about 11, 20, I felt like I was in transition. It wow. was really, really fast. And everyone was expecting once I got going that it would be really fast But this was like crazy, crazy fast. So, we, um, I think what I want to talk about in terms of all of this is the just like instinct and how one of the things coming away from it that I'm most proud of is how I followed my instincts. Like, you know, I'm on the phone with my doula. She hasn't even left yet because it's only been two hours and we figure I'll be laboring most of the day. And I said, you know, I got to go to the hospital. And she was like, Are you sure? I was like, Yes, I have to go. And that moment, was a big moment because had I not gone, I probably wouldn't have survived. Right. Um, Wow. And, you know, I guess we should include the trigger warning here. um, Yes. We're going to, we will
0: include that in the beginning. Trigger
1: warning. (laughs) Um, But I just, you know, I was only in real, like quote unquote real labor, active labor for what was only about 20 minutes, but you know, it was like, Oh my God, we have to go right now. And we got in the car and we went and, got to the hospital, midwife met us there. And within 12 minutes, she was out. I pushed her out and I was so proud of myself. I had worked so hard to have the birth that, you know, I trusted my instincts and I didn't want to birth on my back because with River, I was on my back and it screwed up my tailbone. And so I like, really worked. I I just had such an amazing team. I had the best doula. Brian was amazing. I love my midwife. It was such an empowering experience. Yeah. And she was totally healthy and fine. Um, And then things turned. I very quickly, um, the way I would describe it is just kind of zoned out. I wasn't having any acute symptoms, but I just felt sort of apathetic and like I wanted to curl up and go to sleep. And what my midwife was noticing was uh, my blood pressure was dropping. My heart rate was elevating. Um, and she had a small tear um, that she was trying to stitch and she could not get the bleeding to stop. Oh. She knew that there was something not right here. Just the way she said, the way your blood was acting was not right. So she got the OB and within about five minutes they took me across the hall. Um, and at this point I was, I was unconscious. Um, so, uh, fast forward, uh, eight hours later, um, I woke up intubated in the ICU. Um, Yeah. And poor Brian sat with Sage, not knowing whether I was going to make it or not, but, um, what happened was I had an episode of what's called DIC, um, which is when your body effectively runs out of platelets and stops clotting. And I had a massive hemorrhage, um, which required 19 blood transfusions Wow, um, and countless other blood products, um, you know, eight OBs, and ultimately they they had to open me up and cauterize all kinds of vessels and and do a hysterectomy. Oh. So, I'm a um you know, a young person who's had a hysterectomy which felt tremendously isolating yeah. um for a while and I have since connected with communities online of other women who've had to have hysterectomies in the context of birth.
0: Yes. Um you didn't ask for it. That's, you know, it wasn't your decision. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was, you know, we knew that our family was, you know, complete with two kids. That was our plan. But um, not having that be a a conscious decision. I mean to be a choice on our part was a big deal. And Ryan had to consent to all of this um, while I was under anesthesia. Um, And
0: so you can only imagine yeah. He's holding his yeah. new baby and consenting for your hysterectomy.
1: Ugh. And, you know, I just look back on this and I feel like a tremendous amount of awe that my body survived. Because it statistically I shouldn't have in many ways um, with, you know, I had an unmeasurable hemoglobin at one point. And, you know, the fact that they were able to keep my organs enough, you know, with enough blood was kind of amazing. They were just racing against the clock. Um, but, um, awe of, you know, the fact that my body survived it, um, and just gratitude, um, for everything that happened, but also like awareness of how lucky I was to be in a medical center that, was so attuned and to have a midwife who was so tuned into me and you know socioeconomic race all the rest statuses that frankly protected me you know right right you know about maternal mortality in this country right now and um so i've been reflecting on that a lot too
0: yeah especially during black maternal health week coming up soon um yes it's amazing it's just they were amazing, an amazing group that yeah. um, kept you alive. So yeah. you're in the ICU.
1: Yeah, so I woke up in the ICU and um, being me, I apparently very quickly started writing funny things on paper um, and being, you know, sarcastic and, you know. <laughs> Which I'm sure else. made and Brian
0: very happy.
1: Yes, I very <laughs> quickly asked for Brian and... um I spent a subsequent 10 days in the ICU. Um, my kidneys failed because I lost so much blood. So I was getting dialysis and um, they were trying to get my blood, my body re perfused <laughs> yeah. with blood and, you know, balance everything out. Um, and during that time, babies aren't allowed in the ICU. Yeah. So I got five minutes with Sage in her first 10 days.
0: Oh,
1: um, which was horrific. Um, But actually being away from my from my older one was harder because I knew she was I mean, obviously, I didn't get my golden hour. I didn't get, you know, the first latch. I didn't get all the things at her birth, um, which I'm trying to grieve and, you know, make sense of.
0: Right. And because you had you yeah. had it together this time and had the plan of what you were going yeah. to do. Yes.
1: But I but I was really I think the hardest part was being away from River because he you know he was two and a little bit at the two and three quarters at the time and um was I had never been away from him and yeah he was really affected by it. So
0: this is the reason with my third child I had them at a birth center was because mm-hmm. I wanted to come home because I didn't yeah. want to leave my 2 and 4 year old overnight for yes. two nights cuz they I'd never been away from them overnight.
1: That I, I so. was, it was the biggest worry I had during yeah. my pregnancy was how I was going to leave him and he was in very very capable loving hands with my parents who you know are with him all the time.
0: That doesn't but, matter.
1: Yeah, it <laughs> doesn't still, matter. Exactly. We're still going to worry. So, um, you know, this was uh in the sort of ingredients that go into trauma. This was this was it. There was a lot of things that happened out of my control. It was incredibly life-threatening. Um, and uh, thankfully, uh, Sage was fine. And, you know, Brian held down the fort by himself with a three-year-old and a newborn for two weeks, which was insanity. Um, but, you know, never doubted his ability for a second. And our communities were just profound profound like we didn't feed ourselves for like a month and a half people were bringing us meals meal trains you know cozy socks delivered to our door that's so nice um, and you name it it was unbelievable people showed up and like cleaned our house which was a total tornado you know um it was just un- unbelievable um so but anyway the lactation component of all of this yeah you know i I'm a very like positive person. I'm like a pretty grateful person and you know, I don't fret the small stuff and when you've just almost died, you're like, "Okay, my baby will have formula and that's okay." You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I I just sort of that was sort of my attitude. I really really did not expect given that we had no skin to skin, no contact, she wasn't nursing from the moment she was born for 2 weeks. Um but somehow we have managed to be exclusively breastfeeding at four and a half months. Which and
0: is like unbelievable to me.
1: <laughs> so
0: I, I, yeah. I got to work with you after you got yeah, home. Yeah. So yeah, And house the day I got home or the yeah, day after. Yeah. I mean, you were exhausted. I mean, when, yeah. just because you were discharged from the ICU, doesn't mean you're skipping down the hallway, Ear. No, no, not at all. You were absolutely exhausted, and still required a lot of bit of recovery. And I just want you to know, as yeah. we're talking here, Sage's eyes have opened up, and she's listening <laughs> to me intently. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you are. Uh, And I said, "You're on my chest," but um, she uh, start making some
1: noises.
0: <laughs> so you were exhausted. Amazingly, she
1: latched. Which we're talking. Oh yeah, about. I should back up. So. About 24 hours after the birth, um, the lactation team at the hospital came to visit me in my, in my, uh, room and they said, are you up for pumping? And I said, (laughs) uh, I guess. Um, so, you know, for those first few days, I couldn't even do it myself. And, and they would come once or twice a day and put the pump on me and, uh, I got a little bit of colostrum. I did. I will say just like in terms of the things that I think helped, I had, I had breastfed, you know, six months prior my son and I was expressing colostrum towards the end of my pregnancy, which side note, the doula was able to bring to the baby floor. And so Sage Aww. got colostrum. Oh, I had never heard of it. Of, I guess they call it harvesting colostrum or collecting I don't know.
0: Antenatal expression.
1: Yes, that one.
0: That's uh, um, that's a few podcasts before yours. So yeah,
1: <laughs> yes. So I, I had a couple little vials of Three. colostrum that Sage did get, and the um, hospital was able to give her donor milk. Um, and then we were able to find through our doula someone who gave us donor milk for her so for her first chunk she did have breast milk and formula she's smiling she's smiling hi beautiful yeah
0: and you were like oh there's big smiles she's like I remember that lady um yeah so yeah you reach a point where like okay we're gonna do what we can do but number one rule the baby needs to eat and yeah yeah so even it's interesting because not only were you separated from your baby, but that severe of a postpartum hemorrhage is yeah. enough to kill anyone's milk supply. There's one of the big red, yeah. red flags as a lactation consultant. And um, I was even amazed at two weeks when you got home, we latched her on and I think she transferred
1: an ounce on her own. Yeah. Well, that's been sort of, I mean, in comparing the stories like so much of it is about the baby being able to nurse like she can latch river could never latch right and i remember so um i pumped in the icu slash on the floor i got moved out of the icu at some point and um for like the last five or six days and i would be up you know not able to sleep and i would just ask the nurse to bring me my pump yeah um so, so you are able to do a little
0: more and more, and you were making about an ounce when you were
1: everything. discharged? Yeah. It kind of ebbed and flowed. But there was a day, about three or four days in, where I came to pump, and my boobs were just engorged. And I said, my milk came in, and Brian cried. Because oh. um, <laughs> he's just a mush ball. He's so cute. And everyone sort of celebrated. And I wasn't getting much, really. It was like drips sometimes. And... I really didn't know if I was going to be able to. I <laughs> see to um, do it, but I, you know, I would be up at five in the morning and nothing to do, and I just thought I would do this, and so I pumped for like ten minutes, maybe twice a day, in the hospital, and then when I got home, um, Colette showed up at our house with a supplemental nursing system. <laughs> mm. Which was
0: the thing. Um, well, I was thinking about your situation. And I'm like, there's no way she's going to triple feet. There's absolutely no. no way that you could do no. that physically. No. Um, And having a toddler and having a new baby and recovering from all of your health conditions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, had heard of an SNS, but Brian has subsequently explained to me that like, it really is like a very unique situation in some ways, like the baby has to be able to do it. Yeah. You know, people come to me really all the better. time,
0: you know, they do yeah. their research and I was like, if your baby can't effectively feed and get the milk you can make, yeah. it's just not going to work. It, you know, yeah. so like for a river, you were stuck doing the pumping yeah. and, uh, bottle right. feeding after breast feed feeds Cause he just right. wasn't effective enough. So it doesn't work for right. them because they can't get the milk out.
1: So right. she was and an
0: ideal candidate.
1: We had a, we had an ideal candidate here in little Sage and, you know, blatant balance baby plug, but you know, Brian made it his job to teach Sage all he could about You know, he he does all these things with the bottle and oral motor stuff. So we were very lucky. But for those who don't have a Brian, um, find a Brian and teach, you know, if, if goodness, I hope, you know, God forbid. But anyone who finds themselves in this situation, you know, there are ways to use a bottle to help the baby be best able to nurse when that time comes so when she was finally able to visit me after 10 days I got moved to the regular hospital floor and we arranged uh visits for they gave me a whole hour a day um and it was like this whole ordeal I had to like get transition like transferred like down to the baby floor and the baby had to be brought in and there was all the security involved was insanity mm. but we did it and um she latched so, and that moment was like, so glorious. Like everybody celebrated. There was all these people in the room seeing our reunion. Yeah. Cause the whole, the whole baby floor had basically been holding her, you know, she was only in the hospital for 36 hours. But during that time, she spent a lot of time being held by the nurses on the postpartum floor. Right. <laughs> and they basically just passed her around. Right. Um, and, uh, thank, thank for thankful for them, you know, that she wasn't alone in her first 36 hours and Brian was there too. But when he was with me, somebody was holding her. I'm sure um, he was torn. Yeah, of course. And going home to river, it was in the insanity, but, um, I got this SNS, which I don't know if you want to explain what an SNS is or I should explain.
0: I can explain (laughs) it. So, um, this is a product made by Medela called the supplemental nursing system And there's another one on the market called the Lactaid. Um, I find that first-time users of these types of things, the Medela, is less overwhelming. But some people who use this type of nursing system long-term prefer the Lactaid better. Um, But the idea of this supplemental nursing system is that you fill the container with express milk or formula and you wear it around your neck it's your fancy new necklace and there are there's tubing that comes from this container that you tape to your body and the end of the tube is <laughs> is right She's <laughs> yawning um is right at your nipple so the baby latches on to the breast and has the tube in their mouth they suck and they take your milk out and then you let the extra milk goes so it increases the flow which keeps the baby active so if they're a good feeder they'll take your milk they'll take their supplement and they're doing the extra stimulation to the breast rather than the pump in the you know triple feeding scenario and hormonally i think we get more help from the sweet baby at our breast than plugging something into a wall Uh, putting our nipples into it and turning the machine on. Uh, Don't get as much hormone flow. Um, So I feel like it's an ideal way if you can manage the product. Um, It's not so easy and some people give up. So it takes some practice,
1: right, Sophie? It did take some practice, but you know what? It was so much better than pumping every two to three hours. I mean, there was, like you said, there was fundamentally... I was so, so fragile when I got home still. I wasn't doing stairs. I had this huge abdominal incision. I was getting home health. Um, By some miracle, our family came together and got us some doula support. So we had a postpartum doula um, during the time that I was in the hospital and then also um, when I got home. And, um, you know, it was glorious. It took a little practice to figure out how to get her to latch with this little, it's a teeny tiny, like, tiny, like pin size tube. Um, but once we got the hang of it, it was like, she was stimulating for me. Like I didn't have to pump to build my supply. She was doing it, but she was also getting the milk and the nutrients that she needed. And again, she was an effective nurse. So, um, which it
0: teaches her. I can get a full feeding from the breast. So what typically happens with low milk supply is that infant gets frustrated if they want a certain amount and it's just not flowing. Why are they putting me to this breast? It doesn't work appropriately. And they start to get mad and frustrated. So this keeps the baby super happy at the breast because they they know they can get full um, from there. So that's the other benefit is that they don't get addicted to the bottle feeding and the fast flow of the bottle feeding. And they are more willing to stay at the breast.
1: And I should say, just side note, I was thinking as you were talking, you know, there's a lot of talk in the birth trauma world about bonding after birth trauma. And I, um, knowing what I know about attachment as a therapist was just like, well, I'm going to just tie her to my body and do skin to skin for every moment I could. You know, I think the nursing was very helpful for our body. I think we've bonded very well. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't want it to seem like the nursing was like the absolute, you know, I think her nursing was a huge deal and I was fully prepared. Like I said, to not be able to nurse her at all. There was a question of whether I was going to be discharged on medication where I couldn't nurse her for a Mm -hmm. minute. Um, which was upsetting. Um, and, uh, I was really prepared to just do lots of, they call it like kangaroo care, just like attach her to me in a carrier or a sling and give her bottles and lots of snuggles and um, build our bond that way. And yeah.
0: yeah.
1: But yeah. I did get to for all her feeds and I was not in a place where I was able to get up and pump um, in the middle of the night or feed her in the middle of the night for the first week or two. Yes. So that's we, what I recall had, um, is that
0: you were, you were like, I need to sleep. I couldn't, I
1: couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I had to, I had to sleep. Um, so you had minimal stimulation
0: for the first two weeks and then you got home and you fed her during the day, but slept at night. Hi, sweetie. Slept at night
1: and she got formula in the SNS. We ran out of donor milk, you know, we used what we got. And so she had formula And she got formula in bottles at night. And then over time, I have since added I pump. Oh, so I I started adding a pump at bedtime and I would do power pumps to try to build my supply. And then I added one overnight pump and did like a power pump as much as I could overnight. And honestly, the thing that I think, I don't know if this is legit or whether it was just coincidental, but the thing that I think really kicked my supply into gear was I started taking some herbs too.
0: Okay.
1: And I think the combination, I was like the Milky Mama. I don't know what it had in it. Um, but I did, I, um, what's the, what's the herb that everyone, I don't know. Well,
0: fenugreek is popular, but then there's a whole line of products that is no fenugreek. So it's Um, very confusing for families. Um, yeah, that's funny.
1: Well, I don't, I don't, I, I started taking, some herbs and there was talk in the hospital of like also, you know, there's I guess meds you can take to like relactate. I don't know. I don't know. We never did that. We never got that far. But um well,
0: I wonder, and how many weeks postpartum were you when you felt like the milk supply yeah. was getting better? So
1: one of my experiences from like a nursing perspective was it was really scary to wean off the SNS. I was really, I had a really hard time with River. I, a, I had supply issues with River, so it was hard for me to imagine that I could actually have a full supply with her.
0: Right, with and, your, the way you um, could all started, I can only imagine.
1: Yeah, um, but I um, I was really nervous to wean off of it because I didn't want her to be hungry. I didn't know how much she was getting, so we wound up getting a scale from you guys. Oh, And um, that gave me... I think for some and for me probably in, in other moments would have been a little bit too much of a place to obsess. But for me, knowing that I could weigh her and know, okay, she got, you know, three ounces were good.
0: Right. Um, to ease your
1: to you ease know your mind. anxiety
0: about it. And I, yeah. I So these specialized scales, you're allowed to, you can weigh the baby before and after the feedings and they can tell you how much the baby takes in. And I love it for this situation. I love it for uh, premature babies who aren't giving the right signals. You know, they could be discharged um, from the NICU, but they're not screaming and hollering and fall asleep really easy. And I think that just gives the parents peace of mind. Do we need to continue supplementing? Do we not have to at that feeding? So that's a wonderful tool, especially for your situation.
1: Now, listen, our stage, what else do you have to say? So, um, so I started sort of tiptoeing away from the SNS at about six weeks, probably. Okay used it for about a month maybe three weeks um and then I used it you know I would start like at the beginning of the day when my milk was highest okay hold on (laughs) speaking of nursing um I uh I would give it to her in the like I would let her nurse without it in the high like the first portion of the day because um she you know, that's when I felt like I had the most milk. Right. And then as the day went on, my milk would like seemingly go down. And so we would do the S and S in the evening. And then over time, we kind of just, it took a lot of like pep talks and like, okay, this isn't forever, but like we're going to try one feed without the SNS, Yeah. And see if she gets enough. If she's hungry in an hour, we'll give her some, you know, whatever. So it, it, I ultimately, she, um, and I have found uh, a rhythm and we're not using it. And she's just nursing. We're we're done with formula. Took about probably two months to get to That's the point where she wasn't taking any formula. Two and a half months. That's still amazing. I, I, um yeah.
0: yeah it's been so- one of
1: the things that has made this whole mm-hmm. thing feel... Like one of my triumphs, you know?
0: Yes. Um, It is a huge triumph, by the way. Yeah. And I think the reason I asked was when you had this, when you started slowing down, it's like sometimes we see either at six weeks or at nine weeks, your hormone levels kind of start going back to normal. And sometimes we see a little surge at that point. Um, So that was interesting. But-
1: yeah. I well, that we- was actually, I, I did, I had this like six week framework in my head where I was like, we have to get my milk up It's by six weeks or it's like not going to happen. And in hindsight, that was not true. <laughs> but I also, you know, I feel like um, this was just really a really lucky combination for us. Um, and I'm like very aware that there are a lot of people who've survived birth trauma who can't nurse or who who have to do some combination of nursing and, and formula or donor milk. And again, like I was completely convinced. I didn't even know if I wanted to nurse her fully because I felt so sick. I said to Brian at times, you know, like I don't even want to try to exclusively feed because I have to be able to rest. Yeah. And um, if she wasn't the nurser that she is and the sleeper, frankly, that she is, she would still begin. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just like a, it was a, again, like that idea of like instinct, you know, just these moments of, um,
0: well, and I liked that you had that attitude, you know, you were just like, (laughs) I'm being realistic. There's only so much I can do. And I'm like, thank God, you know, um, I didn't want you to kill yourself. I wanted you to recover and you had, you had a lot of time you needed to do that. And, um. Yeah. So I I love that this worked for you. So a nice combination. Mm -hmm. You need a good feeder. Uh, (laughs) um, That SNS allowed her to do all the hard work. We had some herbal supplementation and recovery of your body, your amazing body who made it through all that.
1: So what we're doing now, just for the information, is um, I pump at bedtime before I go to bed and Brian and I take shifts. So I still need that extra like that. I still need a good stretch of sleep. So, um, just cause I'm still like anemic and recovering and, you know, um, so I go to bed and Brian takes the front lines till 2am. And during that time, she gets a bottle of the milk I pumped before I went to bed. That's
0: amazing. And then,
1: I wake up with her, um, if she wakes up, you know, uh, after 2 a.m. till whatever we get up in the morning is my shift. And so, um, she's getting, she's getting a bottle, which also felt important to Brian. Like he wants to be involved in feeding her and.
0: Well, she had um, bottles for the first two weeks. Of course, that's fine. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah.
1: She's been very invested and interested in finding bottles that she can use and blah, 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 blah. So there's been a whole thing there, but, um, yeah. Somehow, with a lot of support um, and a lot of luck, <laughs> and a lot of the right circumstances, we've been able to to nurse.
0: Yeah. It's, um. It's an amazing story, and I, uh, you know, having heard your story, and I honestly didn't think that uh-huh. <laughs> that your milk supply would recover. Um, None of us. Yeah, yeah. you you had a lot a lot against you so as a therapist who works uh, in the field of trauma having yeah. such a you know a traumatic birth experience what advice do you have for parents who you know may be in a similar situation although you know um, traumatic birth can is such a huge scope yeah. um yeah uh, what, what advice would you give them?
1: Oh, that's such a big question. But, um, I want to say, first of all, like, uh, being a therapist didn't necessarily, uh, n- make me any more adept at handling any of this. <laughs> I know that's probably obvious, but this was incredibly traumatic. And, uh, I'm still very much in the early, you know, phases of recovery. I had, a fantastic therapist who I was seeing prior and who I've subsequently been seeing twice a week since her birth. I um, took a little extra long maternity leave um, and I have been inching back into work more slowly than I had intended to. And so um, as best we can, you know, uh, I think the thing that was most helpful for me is to say, you know, this is really traumatic, and give yourself the time and the space to feel the feelings, get the support, take the time. Um, you know, I'm only four and a half months out. I still think about it every single day. Yeah. Um, we're still reeling um, in certain ways, but um, it's sort of integrating, you know, I'm processing it and um, finding a therapist who does some sort of body based. So my therapist does somatic experiencing, but um, EMDR is another modality that I do with my clients and that I will potentially uh, pursue for myself one day. What is that Um, EMDR? Is what?
0: What is EMDR?
1: What is EMDR? Um, EMDR is a trauma uh, therapy that involves um, bilaterally uh, simulating the brain, either through eye movements or tapping on your hands. And it sounds sort of funny.
0: No, I've but, heard of this.
1: Um, yes, yes. But what we have found, and it's now like one of the frontline treatments, is that it um, really encourages your brain to process through whatever has been sort of left unfinished. And, you know, it may be related to sort of simulating REM sleep, which is when we process memory, or something about, you know, that back and forth motion, um, is incredibly effective.
0: And, you know, the VA
1: is using it now and it's sort of one of the leading trauma therapies. So, um, you, I hope to do that eventually. Um, but getting into your body and support, 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 you know, just, I had to ask for help and I'm not someone who does that easily. I had to say, I have to sleep or I can't do this. And I had to really lower my expectations. Yeah. What I was going to be able to do. And what was really important to me, I had to really think about like, you know, you, you almost died and the dishes are going to be everywhere. And I just want to spend time with my kids or I just need to take a nap or, you know, and who can I get to come help me clean some dishes so that I can take a break. Um, which was really different because i'm not that kind of <laughs> person usually
0: and you um, talked about some online resources um
1: yeah, yeah. um you know what someone? what would parenting be with the, without the internet right right um, Is what friends and i keep saying how do people parent before the internet um but <laughs> not, uh, not very well no <laughs> there's a There's a therapist named Kaylee Summers who's actually also in this general area. And she does EMDR birth trauma survivor herself, very open about her story. And her account on Instagram is called the birth trauma mama. Okay. And she has a lot of good stuff. Um, There's also an Instagram account community called uh, the T on birth trauma, another therapist and birth trauma survivor. Um, And I found a Facebook group recommended to me by, Haley Summers, that's literally called, um, hysterectomy to avoid complications of birth. And there's about 3000 women in there who have had, uh, hysterectomies secondary to hemorrhages, uh, and other things. Uh, so, uh, and, um, you know, there's, there's just a lot of stories and such to be shared there. Um, yeah I haven't have in. I wasn't ready for a while. I just in the last month or two have started sort of feeling good about hearing other people's stories and knowing that I'm not alone in this um, but for a while, it was just really triggering so
0: yeah, yeah, I think you have to reach that point where you're ready to hear and um, I like that you that that there are these resources that's specific for that because even we when we were talking about this, I was you know, tentative, asking you if you were ready to tell your story. Yeah. And we had talked about we were having a tell-your-birth story or write-your-birth mm-hmm. story, and you're like, no, 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 you know, because y- you may be around a whole bunch of people who had this, I had a great birth story, but need to spew it out too. We all need to tell the story yeah. all over yeah. again. But to to be able to talk about it or hear others it, I think you have to be in that separate little bubble first. Yes.
1: The other thing I did, I couldn't send you links for all of these things, but this is very random. But the other thing I did was, um, we have a photographer who we love and she does many sessions. And I did photos with Sage at about eight weeks with her. I was in my underwear. I was in like a bra and underwear. And we did like skin to skin photos that showed my scar and i can send them to you but they're they were like the birth photos i didn't get yeah um and they're so beautiful and it was so healing
0: oh good to see, like,
1: like the beauty of it but also this like you know just sort of like doing something kind of cathartic
0: i feel like um, it's warrior like
1: yeah that's what yeah exactly <laughs> it felt like these are my scars yeah and um they they're not small Right. But, um, but they are, they tell a story. So just, again, that was, that was just sort of an instinct that I had like a feeling of like, I want to do this. And so I reached out to the photographer and was like, will you do this with me? And, um, so just moving slowly. Yeah.
0: Take your time. (laughs) You're not, you're not going to heal, uh, quickly. That's for sure. It's, and you're still taking that time. I'm, so I want to thank you so much for sharing your story. I know it's yeah. difficult. Both you and I are getting a little teary in yeah. areas, yeah. Um, but, you know, I because this is a breastfeeding group, that was an amazing story about your milk production. But um, I thank you for sharing everything else and your resources and your yeah. husband's knowledge, <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) all right. Sorry, your partner's knowledge. You guys are not me. That's
1: okay. We use them interchangeably. Um, that it felt also like part of my journey to like start to share this because I want other people to know they're not alone with it, which was a big feeling I had. So, um, I'm honored to share and, um, yeah, thank you.
0: (laughs) Thank you, and thank we'd like to thank Sophie. Um, for this incredible story, and we hope that you continue to heal. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Feeding Frenzy. The BRC is a nonprofit organization committed to providing expert clinical and educational breastfeeding services. Find out more about us at breastfeedingresourcecenter.org.